Scripture this morning is Romans 5, verses 6 through 8. You see, at just the right time, when we were still powerless, Christ died for the ungodly. Very rarely will one die for a righteous man, though for a good some might possibly dare to die. But God demonstrates his own love for us in this. While we were still sinners, Christ died for us. What's happened up to this point is is Paul is teaching the Romans. The Romans are pagans. Okay? They know nothing about the living God. They worshipped many idols, false gods. But they knew nothing about the living God. And in in the first part of chapter 5, he's talking about... Suffering so that you will know, because the Roman people were not sufferers. They they had, uh, what do you call it when you go eat everything you want to? Unending buffets. They had prostitution worship. Children that... Their parents had abandoned. All these these things and more. They had science studies. They had literature. They had libraries. They had theaters. They had the gladiators. They didn't know what suffering was. They liked to watch other people suffer. But they didn't want to suffer themselves. And so when they came and gave their lives to Jesus Christ, and Paul began to teach them about the power of the Holy Spirit in suffering, and and that that suffering brought about hope and peace. So we now know that there is no hope without suffering. There is no hope without suffering. And I don't care how little you've had to suffer or how much you've had to suffer. You cannot have hope if you do not suffer in Jesus Christ. And he he talks about the fact that hope doesn't disappoint us because the love of God is poured out in our heart by the power of the Holy Spirit. And we come down to verse 6. He says all of this and then he says, you see, you need to understand something. Do you see this? At just the right time. In the Garden of Eden, the serpent came and he tempted Adam and Eve and they fell. That's why he had to curse Adam, curse Eve, curse the serpent and cursed the world. You ever think about it? If the world had not been cursed, it would have never brought forth thorns. If it had not brought forth thorns, there would be so much abundancy in this world that we would be tempted to forget about any divine being and live in our opulence. Sounds like America. 
I can have anything I want. My tennis shoes when I grew up were $6.66, Wayne. They were Chucky Taylors. That's how much they were. You can buy tennis shoes now for $500. Some of them are resold for 1000 That's the opulence that our, our families live in. I've had several people in my office who talk to me about certain things that they want to do with their family. And they say, well, we're taking our family down to the Caribbean and let them learn how to scuba dive whatever, or snorkel and so to see if they like it or not. I thought, I could put my head under the water in a bathtub. In West Virginia, there were some of us that had bathtubs. <laughs> so, so, in our society, we do very little or no suffering because if we suffer, guess what happened? We go see a psychologist and he prescribes medicine that takes away the pain and suffering. And we live in this abstract world. So over 2,000 years ago, there was a time. It was the time. And in that time, God let his son come to earth And die for us at the right time. At that right time, do you realize that all the sin from the past, as far back to Adam and Eve, at that initial fall, all of the sin from there came and rested upon Jesus Christ at just the right time. And all the sin that happens now around us, you look at every, you know, cops being killed, that's nothing. It's terrible, but it's nothing compared to all the drug addiction and all the people that are dying from drug addiction today and all the people that are homeless and all the people, the, the bad marriages. Used to, years ago, when a person was saved, they never got a divorce. Now do you know that I know that there are people who are on their third marriage who have been Christians for 30 years. All the sin of now. All the abuse now. All the anger that's in you and every other human being on the face of the earth. Think about the level of your anger and it's all over the world. All the lust right now is on Jesus. We got the past, we got the present, and here is the divine thing. All the sin we're going to, that's going to be committed in the world, in the future, at just the right time, was on Jesus. Now, do you understand the horrendous weight of that sin? He took upon himself. And what he's trying to tell you is 
that until that day when it was just the right time, human beings had no power over the sin and death that lived within them. Not even a sacrifice of a bull or a lamb or a dove could remove that sin from a person. It only covered it until that time, the resurrection. Jesus had been looking and planning to free his people from their sin. He said Christ died for the ungodly. Does anybody know the definition of ungodly? Everybody. That's the definition. Everybody. There is none righteous. No, not one. They have all gone their own way. He says it over and over. And then he talks about dying for the feeble attempts that human beings do to die for other people. These are feeble attempts. I, I don't have enough time to talk about verse 8. I'll just, I'll just talk a little bit about it. But God, Yahweh, the Heavenly Father who created the heavens and earth, who is a Lord over everything. God does something. That means God demonstrated something. That's what it says here. God demonstrated something. His love. His own love. In this passage of scripture, God identifies that agape love's origin starts with him. It doesn't start anywhere else, okay? So we've got this, this love that is centered and created or exists because God exists and it's God's love. It's nobody else's love. Not my love, and no matter how much I could love, and that's probably not very much, but, but all the love in the world can't even come up to a fraction of 1% of the ownership of God's love, the origin of God's love, which is agape love. The nature of that love is he will pour out his affection, his protection, his knowledge, Upon the people that love him, and never will he listen to this. This is he never asks for anything in return. Well, you say, well, that's kind of that's bad. Well, let me tell you something about God's love. And I tell this to people all the time. I said, listen. Once you experience an intimate, personal touch from the love of God in your life, once you are confronted by the intimate, personal touch of God 
you will respond to it and love him back. Do you hear me? Did anybody hear me? The agape love of the Lord God Almighty ignites within us life. And that life has the nature of God. Jesus is there and he nurtures it. And we love him back. At first, we're feeble in our attempts. And we say, I don't know how to do that, God. I can't do that, God. No one ever showed me how to do that. Nobody loved me that way, God. I don't know how to do it. I don't know how to be that person. He doesn't get upset. He continues to love. And we respond. Slowly and surely, he draws us like he did Jim. Isn't that right, Jim? And you couldn't resist it, could you? Because the nature of agape love is so powerful that no matter how long it takes or no matter what you have to overcome, the love of God will draw you closer to him. Something happened in Wilmore, Kentucky. I believe That God was loving one person to the extent that they stood up and did not care what they said about their sin, but said it, asking Jesus Christ to forgive them. And that act caused God to grow close to that person. As I study the word of God in revivals, that's what happens. He comes and he touches and he gets close to that because that is intimacy. No excuses. That boy made no excuses. He says, I am a sinner. He was a Christian. He said, I'm a sinner. I And the Holy Spirit was sent by God to settle in Wilmore, Kentucky. You want revival? Be an unabashed, abastions, whatever that word is, repenter, confessor of sin. It comes from conviction of the Holy Spirit. He comes down and he says, Mike, you're guilty of this. I have a choice. I respond to the love of God. He doesn't come down because he hates Mike Dean. He comes down because he loves me unconditionally. And he comes down and he tells me what's wrong with me. Isn't it great to have somebody who loves you and does not reject you to say, you are this way? And then you have a thing to do with that. You either say, okay, okay, Jesus. Or you say, Lord, I am a sinner. 
and I've sinned against you, and I've sinned against that person, and I've sinned against that person. Please forgive me. Confession, conviction, confession. Please change me. I don't want to stay the way I am. That's agape love. And God, during that whole process, isn't waiting for you to go, say the right thing. No, that's not the right thing. He looks in your heart. And he wants to know what's there. God demonstrates that love to us. His own love. Agape love. While we were still sinners, he did it before we knew it. I was 17 years old and I was a sinner. I didn't go to church. I didn't know who Jesus was. Jeannie had to tell me she was a Christian and I said, I'm not prejudiced. I had no idea what a Christian was. But then on Sunday morning, the Holy Spirit convicted me of my sin in this church that my mom and dad were going to because their marriage was falling to pieces. And, and I began to shake so bad I thought the church was shaking. And I grabbed a pew, and the shaking continued. And then all of a sudden, inside of me, something said, go to the altar. And I went to the altar. And when I got there, the pastor said, uh, you want to give your heart to Jesus? And in a minute, a second, a millisecond, I knew that's what I needed. See? See? He found me lost. And since then, he's come to me at other times when I've went astray. Found me. Next week, we're going to talk about the 99, and he left the one, the 99, and went and found the one. When's the last time you heard a sermon on that? Boy, it's going to be next week. As far as I know, I was the one. While we were still sinners, Christ died for us. Just at the right time. At the right time. He died one for all. He goes on in verse five, chapter 5. He goes on in chapter 6 and he talks about that. So at just the right time, Caleb came into play. <laughs> and, and Isaac, man. The whole band. Come on up, guys. Now I'm going to ask you a question. Do, do you know people that are dying and going to hell? Would you please ask Jesus to give you the strength to invite them to church?
at this time of the year where we study repentance and sacrifice and resurrection. They need to know that there is an answer to their problem, okay? Don't you think? They need to know. Somebody said we have cards up there that you can, if you're scared, you, you just say, here, take this and read it. At least you, that's good enough, right? Take this and read it. A stand. If you still feel a little lukewarmy, and you need to come up here and say, God, take it away. Take it away, God. Forgive me my sin. We'd love to pray with you. Love to pray with you. Father, God bless these people. Prepare us to become the people you want us to be. To do the thing that you want us to do. Prepare us. Father God, prepare us. Move in our heart, Holy Spirit, move. Please come. We are wretched people. In Jesus' name, amen.